Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Sunday Recap, a weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For recordings of our sermons, for more podcasts, and to submit any questions or comments you might have, visit bgrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit bgrace.org. I'm Chris Webster, Assistant Pastor of Fiddles and Fonts. I'm Dave McMurray, Teaching Pastor at Grace Bible Church. And we are on our own this morning, Dave. We as This is scary. There's not an yes. adult in the room. <laughs> this is true. Joey is home cuddling brand new babies. Rooster Cogburn Cologne. Yes. yes. Have you met Rooster yet? I have. Oh. I got to hold him. Mm, I haven't He's met him a yet. handsome man. Wow. I'm so yep. excited. Yeah. So, Joey, we yeah. miss you. We miss um, you, Joey. The listeners may miss you even more. <laughs> we'll see what happens today. Joey is the only linear thinker of the three of it us. Is, it is true. So we are going to speak purely in prose. Um, hopefully a little bit of rhyming poetry today. Mm. Um, but let's dive in. So mm-hmm. this Sunday's sermon you titled, God's Purposes in Dysfunction. Is that right? Yes. Get that it? is what I titled the sermon this Sunday. Yes. Genesis. <laughs> Good, bringing that robot voice. Okay, Genesis, uh, so it was over Genesis 15, fi- uh, 50, 15 through 21. Yep, yep. Um, and your three points were, well, well let, let's summarize. Can you help me summarize the story and then I'll say our three points. So so this is uh, chapter 49 is what we kind of skipped over. It's where Jacob blesses all the other brothers. So the previous week we did kind of focusing in on Joseph and his sons getting the blessing of the firstborn. Then he blesses all of his other sons in chapter 49. Then Jacob dies, and Jacob has a state funeral. He's honored. He's buried in the promised land, just like he asked. And then that brings us up to our story where the brothers are now afraid. Once again, they think, maybe now that Jacob has died, Joseph will kill us. So that brings us to the conflict of this story. Mm. Awesome. So you had a really cool storm story at the beginning I want to talk about, but mm. then your three your three points were God's purposes comfort our fears, God's mm-hmm. purposes empower our forgiveness, mm-hmm. and God's purposes secure our future. Yes. Um, so the storm story, I'm so glad you kept it in. We were Thanks. deciding whether we or not We chatted about it last week. Yes. I just, I don't know, there's something just joyful about storytelling and Mm. Um, I don't know. It's just a fun way to start a sermon. But um, did you have any thoughts? What as you were telling it, just it was. Did it feel like? <laughs> mm. Well, I struggled. So just backstory for the dear listener. Mm-hmm. I struggled with whether or not I should tell the story, and this is something I struggle with a lot with with narrative passages that we're preaching through. It's like I tell a story to introduce a story. You know, it just kind of gets gets all jumbled in my mind. Um, so we see this pattern of storytelling is really important and a good way to communicate. That's just all over the scripture, right? So it's just an important thing. We see all of our, so many of the scriptures are story-based and Jesus used storytelling a lot. So because of that, I'm trying to grow in my communication of God's word as a storyteller. But this week I just kind of struggled with, is it necessary? Is it helpful? Is it distracting? Um, and so... Often I'll try to introduce a feeling or a problem through a story. And so what I tried to introduce was the idea that, you know, 
God had brought me through this great thing and saved us and we were safe when we were worried about being in danger, but then I was still worried about this kind of secondary thing. And um, so anyway, I think it was kind of helpful opening the mood of, of the, of the brothers worrying about Joseph. And I have no, I have no scientific evidence for it, but I feel like we listen to those kind of extemporaneous stories with a different part of our brain almost like, Mm. like we, yeah, it just triggers something, at least for me, it triggers mm-hmm. something different than just reading a Bible narrative, hearing hearing you tell a story, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it helps me imagine the that, it brought me to that moment of, oh man, when, when you're in that moment of just terror, mm-hmm. and then it resolves itself, and then you, you're worrying about <laughs> repercussions, and, yeah. um, but the one thing I did, that I did, it did occur to me, um, I've been trying to learn, figure out how to say this for a while, and I think I've, this is a new way to think about it. Mm-hmm. So you talked about this, you're out on this trip with your junior hires, was it? Mm-hmm. And then uh, this huge storm comes, and you like basically, you're being pelted with with uh, hail. I don't want to ruin it. You guys, you guys got to go listen to the podcast. But Yeah, don't you, retell the story. Yeah, People have to go yeah. listen to the uh, sermon. Yeah, well, I have to give it away just a bit. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. So go listen to the sermon and come back. Pause. <laughs> Pause. No. Okay. Okay. No, you're back. Welcome back. Uh but but so you, it was like this huge storm, and then the, you know right after that the sun came back out, mm-hmm. and then you had a great trip. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't even the point of the story, but I it did think about this strange how we have we live in this sort of state of resilience, hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I I tend to live in a state of um, negative resilience. So you think of like a a rubber band wanting to. Str- you know kind of come back to its original state Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it gets pulled to one side and then snaps right back Mm. and i think we can either live in a a state of negative or positive resilience where when something happens we're pulled off to to you know say we're i'm i'm in in a negative state of resilience then something good happens like oh that was good but then i snap straight back to but everything's gonna be bad after that or (laughs) you know and and Mm -hmm. i know Mm -hmm. people who live in a state of positive resilience where it's it really is like everything's going to be good. And then, uh, oh, wow, something horrible happened. But then right after mm. they snap right back to, oh, mm-hmm. but everything's good in general. Yeah. and uh, That's a gift. Yeah. Well, and I do think it's also, hopefully, the pattern of the Christian life is leaning into that mm-hmm. positive resilience, right? I mm-hmm. mean, do you think mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that kind of a thing you can learn as you encounter a good God and I don't know. I think so. I mean, I think that's the, we, I feel like we talked about this weeks ago, that old book maybe came out 10 or 15 years ago called 1000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. And I think that mm-hmm. was a big part of what people learned through that book was the practice of thankfulness, you know, mm-hmm. helps us to enjoy God's grace and enjoy moments as gifts of God's grace. Mm-hmm. But I think that is, that is a discipline of the Christian life for mm-hmm. sure, right? To receive moment by moment as a gift of his grace and trust that he is good and yeah enjoy those moments rather than worrying about what's coming next mm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah but cool. i kind of I failed in that story <laughs> <laughs> well uh, yeah that's the temptation for all of us but mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. your point being yeah that that this is tied into joseph's brothers that mm-hmm. as soon as jacob dies they said oh now even though joseph's been taking care of us for this whole time mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. he's now he's gonna get us right yeah. now he has his chance um mm-hmm. i don't i can't remember how much you really talked about why 
what was their the reasons for that um did you delve into the match in the sermon did you have any other thoughts of like what were the reasons they would think that well i mean the first point i i tried to pick out it a little bit i don't think i went real deep but i mean i, I picked out they knew they had done evil and and joseph acknowledged yeah you did evil so i mean they knew he knew everybody knew they had done something worthy of of serious repercussions but they'd been forgiven. So mm-hmm. um, so I tried to pull that out in the first point that God's purposes comforts us in our fears. And I tried to wrestle both sides of it that, that there's a right and good fear we should have of repercussions for evil, of judgment. You know, we should have conscience and be worried about doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sense in which that's right. But in this particular situation, they'd already been forgiven and been shown Joseph's graciousness over and over again, so they should have accepted it. And so I tried to apply that duly. You know, some of us, some of us need to come to the place of having a healthy fear of judgment. Uh, others need to say, "Oh wait, God has forgiven me," and live in that that joy. You know, that First John four says, "Perfect love casts out fear." And so, you know, living in that that grace and that good moment of God has taken away my fears; He's judged Christ instead of judging me. So. And we talked about that a little bit last week as well when I talked over the sermon with you about how at one level I wanted to pick at there's a good fear here and people need to have I, – I think I keep coming back to that theme in my preaching the last few years because our culture is getting to a point where we don't believe in sin and we don't believe in judgment at all. So I feel like I have to talk about it as, mm. as a thing that people haven't thought about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, and that's that's huge. I loved that. I love how you unpacked that. Well done. Um, I guess my my more specifically, my question is: Did Joseph's brothers was it just completely logical? Like, what was the mm. mo, what was the trigger? Unpacking that, we talked a little bit of small groups. I have a couple uh, thoughts, but does yeah, that make sense? I mean, go like, ahead. I think yeah. I think it could be any number of things. I don't. I didn't really spend any time on that, but yeah. What, what were y'all thinking from your group? I think the one, well, the one thought I had was I was thinking back to this the sort of interaction during the famine and how um, how Jacob had said when he, he was going to lose a son and he was going to lose J- Benjamin and he said, this will kill me. And so I, I guess that, that was the equation a little bit in my head maybe was um, the brothers knew that Joseph was aware of this connection between the lives of Jacob's sons and Jacob's life himself and his, mm. his own sorrow and his own fragile heart. And, mm. and if he lost another son or even the, gotcha. the, so they, they may have seen that as like, we've had this protection because mm-hmm. if Joseph kills us, it'll kill Jacob. So it was but all now, about honoring Jacob. They didn't really see it as for them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. That makes sense. Well, yeah. yeah. I think that makes, especially after the incredible honor that's shown to Jacob in his in his funeral. I mean, he's again details I didn't go into, but he's mourned for seventy days, and in the mm-hmm. the you know Egyptologists tell us that seventy two days was how long a pharaoh would have been mourned. So you know he was basically mm-hmm. mourned as if he was an assistant pharaoh or a great king himself. Wow! Um, the way that they did the funeral at the end of chapter forty nine, it's it's pretty pretty intense. That's awesome! Mm-hmm. Wow. Love all those little details. So God's purposes comfort our fears. Yeah, you talk about that. We should have a healthy fear because we've we have sinned, mm-hmm. and then but once we've been forgiven, we shouldn't 
try to trick God into re-forgiving us. Mm, Although that's, yeah. uh, sorry, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. <laughs> it's all no. a big mash. No, no, that, I mean, that was part of that. I think that is, forgiveness is point two, but that's, I was trying to hit on that with point one, that um, that they were trying to manipulate him into forgiving rather than just trusting that he'd forgiven them. Mm. That's good. Well, this might, that might be a pretty short podcast. We'll see. Any, any more thoughts on... No, let's on move that. on. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. it's going to be great. We'll have so <laughs> much extra time. Um, so point two, God's purposes empower our forgiveness. Can you mm-hmm. just kind of summarize the your thinking for that? So I think the simplest way to say it is the only reason Joseph could forgive them is because he had come to see God's purposes at work. So he makes the statement in chapter 45, you sold me, but God sent me to save many lives. And then he repeats that in different language here. He says, you intended evil, God intended good, right? And so Joseph says, my suffering saved many lives, and God did this on purpose to save people. And so because I can see God's greater purposes and his kindness in this, I forgive you. Mm. Um, And so to me, that's um, a parallel or a mirror of the cross and what we do as Christians. So in Colossians where it says we forgive one another because God in Christ forgave us, then it's very similar that the, the kind of, you know, thinking that Joseph is going through is, is the parallel thinking that we should go through of, I see God's purposes through the suffering of Jesus on the cross. I can see God at work. Therefore I can forgive others. And Joseph was, I can see God at work. Therefore I forgive you. Mm. That the God in the picture is so huge. I was mm-hmm. thinking of, uh, um, I think it's in Redemption, the book. Mm-hmm. What's Who's the author of Redemption? Mike Wilkerson. Mike Wilkerson, yeah, mm-hmm. so good. We mentioned that a decent amount of times. But um, in that book, I think is where he talks about about Jesus being the sin swallower, mm-hmm. um, which is one of my favorite um, my favorite metaphors for, for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about that as a, as a human – this this exchange of forgiveness and there is a temptation to even as Christians say okay God has forgiven me now I'm the forgiver mm. and so someone does something wrong against me and I'm going to swallow their sin I become the sin swallower mm. and and actually that that's a I was thinking that's such a danger because then you start to think how mm-hmm. great I am mm-hmm. and but then it also festers in your heart because you're really yeah. it's really a almost a bartering thing like you you're still clinging to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you're saying i took the cost upon myself that's yeah that's a really good point I, the way i said that sunday was we can the temptation is to think i'm so magnanimous you know mm-hmm. i'm so great i can forgive you instead of looking to god yeah um and i think the the paradox and the just craziness of how can God be good and this world's all screwed up? You like, how can those two things simultaneously be true? That craziness forces us to look up and look over at what God is doing and look away from ourselves, I think, which is just really important movement uh, spiritually. We have to look away from me and look to God. And man, I, uh, as a, as a believer for many years now, I can see how when I first started walking with Christ, I was so passionately amazed by what Christ had done that just compelled me to love people and to serve people. And then you start 
serving people and you're like, Oh, I'm pretty good at this, you know? And I, and I, I've seen this in a lot of people that have served others and done ministry and, and gotten into the people helping business. Like I have, you start to think I'm a good people helper, you know, like you can mm. quickly put the attention back on yourself and I have to keep looking back out and say, no, it's God. Like I can't, I really can't do this no matter, mm. <laughs> no matter how many years I've done this and think, mm. Oh, I'm pretty good at this now. I, I just, graciously keep coming to an end to myself. <laughs> mm. Thank God. It's a painful process. Mm. Um, in my old age, I'm becoming less of an extrovert, which has really been a really strange dynamic to, to kind of like run out of juice in a sense of like, Come I just to the dark side. Yeah. Dave. <laughs> you introverts are inviting me over. <laughs> yeah. So I think for the record, I've always been kind of in the middle, you know, I've always kind of been an ambivert, but but enjoy people really like people serving people being around people and i just don't as much as i used to mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's been a nice little lesson of oh yeah i need jesus to serve people and love people well i can't just do it on my own it's not a natural uh, ability thing so anyway how do we get off on that mm-hmm. oh no, yeah that forgiveness good. yeah 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 we forgive and love others because of god's purposes at work not because of how awesome we are yeah that's so good i love that what you said something like you may be feeling like you don't have what it takes to forgive this person. Mm. You're right. <laughs> That's yes. so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can can you talk a little bit? Um, it's a little bit of a weird buzzword, mm-hmm. um, but can you talk a little bit about self forgiveness and what is that a real thing? Does that mean anything? I, hmm. What? Um, I think we've talked a little bit about that before, but yeah. What are yeah, your thoughts I mean, on that kind of? I think with anything, it it depends on what people mean by it, right? So Mm. it could probably be unhealthy in some way. I think in a healthy way, I would describe self-forgiveness as um, you're not so big that the cross can't handle you. Um, So I see this with a lot of Christians where they are really secret legalists. You know, they're secret, I will earn God's love Mm -hmm. people. So they come to Christ, they recognize their need for the merit of Christ, and then they start walking down this track of my goodness and my power and my being a great Christian is what maintains my relationship with God. So so I think those people need to understand, no, God forgives you for your mediocrity. He forgives you for your legalistic self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. He forgives you for your you know, genuine pagan sin. You know, whatever, whatever <laughs> variety, Jesus is the one that forgives you. And so I think healthy self-forgiveness is saying, oh, okay, I acknowledge and let go of that. I'm not going to hold that over my own head because Jesus has taken care of it. You know? mm-hmm. So so almost in the, the healthy defining of that term, it's mm-hmm. actually God-forgiveness. It's, yeah. it's not short-circuiting God-forgiveness because we can't mm-hmm. really forgive ourselves. Cause we, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because yeah. I, I guess – the things that bring so you you kind of touched on there's self righteousness involved sometimes and there's shame mm-hmm. total or ultimate shame involved and there's you know a lot of us struggle with both at different times and yeah. for different things and well and um, I'd argue yeah. they are the same thing ah fascinating. I mean that's where I try to poke my melancholy <laughs> Christian friends that struggle with that like mm. your inward shame is actually a form of legalism. Hmm. Yeah. So when you can't let go, when you still feel great shame over missing the mark, mm-hmm. you're not letting God's forgiveness 
have its place and yeah. have the ultimate say. Right. Yeah. You're mm. saying, in a sense, no, I don't deserve to feel good about myself. I don't deserve to feel God's love. I must still feel this shame because if I was really good and kept my legal laws, then I would be lovable. Then I wouldn't feel the shame. You know, instead of enjoying his love as a free gift, you're saying, no, I've got to earn it. You know, so it's a, yeah. That's so good. And you've said it in the past, it came up in small group again of, what if what God says about us is really true? Mm. That we're really forgiven, that we're really loved. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. powerful. I think one one really important thing that I thought came up last night in small group that I wanted to ask you about. Um, I actually think you talked about it in the last point, but was, mm-hmm. was um, so in our services, we have this time of confession mm-hmm. and I'll try to see if I can say it the way you said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You were talking about saying what we do in our time of confession is not ask God's forgiveness again. We thank him for the forgiveness he's already given to us. Yeah. Um, and so, so the I think, old language is confession and assurance. Yeah. 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 And so I think just to, to frame the question, I think what it is, what, what was coming up in small group was, well, so <laughs> I think a lot of us really literally, you know, in the fundamental, how does this, how do we talk to God mm-hmm. in this moment? We, a lot of us really do say, please forgive me for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that wrong? Is that um you know, I, I, I completely agree yeah, with your yeah, overarching yeah. point, and yeah. I wanted to work it down into the details of how we talk to God. Does yeah. that make sense? How would yeah. you explain that? Well, I mean, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says to say that, so it can't be wrong <laughs> to say it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So I think really it's it's a matter of guarding your heart, not your words, is really the issue. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think you have to mm-hmm. wrestle that to the ground yourself. Am I really forgiven? What do I mean when I ask God to forgive me then if I really am already forgiven in Christ? Um, and I've, I'm the type, you know, I don't, I don't quibble over words, you know, like that. So I'm okay with like one Christian saying it one way and one Christian saying it another, but we've got to understand that we don't lose forgiveness and regain it over and over again. I think that's really where my heart was focused in what I said during the sermon. Um, that the act of confession and forgiveness or confession and assurance in a church setting might mislead people into thinking, if I don't show up and confess this again, like if I die before I make it to the confessional booth, quote unquote, then I've got these unforgiven sins hanging over me and I'm going to hell. And that's not, you know, it's not biblical. The first John one nine, I think is probably the best way to think about it, that there are the kinds of people that lie and say they don't have sin, and there are the kinds of people that admit. We'll, we'll use the word admit mm-hmm. instead of confess. Conf- mm-hmm. Confess makes it sound like the, the moment in time. It's got to be a church ritual. Mm-hmm. So there are the kinds of people that admit their sin, and Jesus cleanses them, and there are the kinds of people that lie about it, mm-hmm. and he doesn't cleanse them. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like, what category of person are you? Are you the open book admitting and enjoying God's forgiveness, or are you the the liar pretending you don't have sin and you don't need his forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So. so well said. Yeah. And it don't want it to be like this quibbling over perfect legalism of language. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a danger for all of us. So there's just to go farther, there are extremes on both sides. Right. So people that say, man, that practice of confession insurance is really helpful. 
Well, if you go too hard into the weeds of the practice, you can fall into the, I, I keep getting unforgiven and have to get reforgiven, right? So that's the danger on that side. There's another danger that's kind of like power of positive thinking, like crazy talk, you know, <laughs> where huh. like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really sin because Jesus sees me in Christ. Well, kind of, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's not how, Yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta work with English language a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. so I have friends that would really press. We're not supposed to keep saying, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. And I think they have a good point and they're right. I generally don't talk about myself that you know like i mm. try to see myself as a beloved child of god and that's my primary mm. identity and i think that's a healthy identity but there's plenty of biblical language where saints express that they are sinners paul does it again and again so again it's it's a wrestling match where one extreme denies sin in a kind of crazy way power of positive thinking the other side denies forgiveness in kind of a crazy way you know so mm -hmm. i think there's a tension mm -hmm. in there that we have to walk through so good. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, not quibbling over the language. I guess my journey in thinking through the con concept was that sometimes the language I'm using is a hint to the <laughs> the yeah. unintentional theology I have under, yeah, yeah. under the hood. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so I do think... Um, reading things like The Cure and trying to wrestle through that, like that, that concept of what if I'm actually a beloved child of God? What mm -hmm. if I'm a new creation? Mm -hmm. What if what he says about me is true? Mm -hmm. And so I found myself think, rethinking that moment of saying, oh, I do actually, when I say, Lord, please forgive me for losing my temper or whatever it is, mm -hmm. I am kind of enforcing this narrative of, I am this filthy, dead heart mm. under the judge, under the great judge, and I'm just asking, begging for mercy. Mm -hmm. And I think the more, <laughs> I mean, right, right. Th there's a lot of nuance there, but but it, it surely the the Christian story is more this. I've been given everything I need in Christ. I've already been forgiven for the worst day I have. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really saying is, God, I see this sin as you see it. Help me not to, mm -hmm. you know, help me to love what you love and to hate what you hate. And yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Like oh, yeah. that—that that was a thing that was like, oh my gosh, like maybe I need to mm -hmm. avoid the "please forgive me" language for that purpose of yeah. knowing I am a new creation and I have everything I need for life and godliness. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. And that's a lot of times. So we have a. a point in our service where we do confession and assurance of grace mm -hmm. and it's a leader-led corporate prayer usually silent confession and then a prayer of thanksgiving for god's grace and i often will say you know confession literally means saying the same thing as so mm -hmm. that's really what it means we we translate it into religious ritual in our brains you know because of kind of the history of different ritualistic forms of christianity but confession is just agreeing with they're saying the same thing as god yeah you're just mm -hmm. saying okay god i see that i shouldn't have done that you forgive me in christ thank you that's awesome i want to stop doing that you know i mean it's a it can be that simple but i think we want to flog ourselves and <laughs> add to it so. mm. yeah no that's good cool thank yeah thanks for talking through that so you had in the middle of this point again we're talking about god's purposes empower our forgiveness you had mm -hmm. this tapestry illustration mm -hmm. um 
<laughs> I love that you didn't have the front side that picture. Was so funny. That was one of those moments, those off-the-cuff moments. Like In the moment, I'm like, oh, wait, I should have shown you the pretty side, not just the ugly side. But it occurred to me, well, that's kind of where we live. We just Right now, we're just seeing the ugly side. We don't see the, the full beauty of the new heavens and the new earth and every tear being wiped away. We're not there yet. So. Mm, yeah. It's interesting, too, because, and again... Any, I guess, for my brain, any illustration and any <laughs> any metaphor is like, mm-hmm. ah, let's think deeply on this. Uh, but I was thinking about that, like, when you didn't turn it around, it also made me think, oh, also, that's because I'm not the artist. Like, mm. God, God's the artist. And what's funny is when I try to control and second guess God, I'm, it's like me trying to weave the tapestry from the backside. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna make something beautiful from back here. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and like, I think you had talked about this is this is later. I'm gonna I'm just gonna break mm-hmm. the rules and and tie into something way later about cool, Judah. Uh huh. But we we had talked about so so. Just say say the Judah thing real quick because I want to tie into it. <laughs> say like, the Judah thing. Yeah. <laughs> Dance, monkey. <laughs> so there's this weird kind of, oh gosh, it's like under the hood part of the story. So there's this blessing given to Judah in the midst of a blessing being given to all 12 brothers after the really important blessing was given to Ephraim, the son of Joseph. So chapter 49, all these other blessings. And in that, the, the language of all the brothers will bow down is now applied to Judah. And Judah's given the blessing of kingship. And this prophecy dream that Joseph had that the brothers would bow down to him that came true multiple times throughout these stories and then came true one more time in our final chapter, in chapter 50, that same phrase and concept and picture of the brothers bowing down is promised to Judah because the kingship is given to Judah. He's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And that gets picked up then as the messianic hope of Israel. So Mm. the Messiah who sacrifices himself like Judah was willing to offer himself for his brother in the the Joseph stories, that's going to come through the tribe of Judah. And so it's just this really funny little twist at the end of the story of like, we've spent 13 chapters talking about Joseph. It's kind of not about Joseph. It's actually mm-hmm. pointing to the Messiah, who doesn't even come through Joseph's tribe. He comes through this other tribe mm-hmm. of Judah. Um, and so, anyway, that there's so yeah. much more. I wanted to go on and on about it for you know a couple of hours. It was blowing my mind, but it's pretty fascinating what, how God's story is so complex. You know, there's all these funny mm-hmm. twists and turns. So. Yeah, and we had talked on Thursday that, that, that so a lot of what I was thinking was through that lens of you said sort of. Um, that it was. It, I took it as this kind of open-handed faith of we don't know which interaction or which tiny moment of faithfulness to God is actually going to make the biggest impact, and we mm-hmm. can't even try to reverse engineer it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. we just have to like be faithful in all these different areas. Mm, and yeah. and you had talked about, yeah, maybe you know, maybe I'm here and clean for forty years, and you know, it ends up being that my biggest impact was I had one conversation with someone who mm-hmm. did <laughs> went and became a missionary and you can't control yeah, it. And it's kind right, of crazy, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't know what's going to bear fruit and what isn't and, and even when and how it's going to bear fruit. You know, like we, we really want to see fruitfulness now, you know, we love to see life transformation. Now we love to see dramatic stories now and soon and quickly. Um, and it was just, this was, this story was was making me think, huh? 
in my own ministry. You know, I could labor for 40, 50 years, and God could do something utterly amazing 100 years from now based on, like, somebody that went to our church three Sundays. or You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like you just don't know what's going to happen. There's just this funny – the funny twists and turns of what God's going to do. And so our call is to be faithful and to trust him and enjoy the moments, you know, and enjoy mm-hmm. – Man, the God can work in the big moments, and God can work in the small moments, and I think that's mm-hmm. something that's hard for all of us. I was, mm-hmm. you know, translating that into my pastor world, but you know, for the mom mm. changing diapers, or you know, for the dad, you know, disciplining a child, you know, whatever it is, these little grueling day-to-day things we do that seem mundane, God is—he's working through those. You know, He's—he's mm-hmm. he's present in our day-to-day life. So that to me, that so perfectly tied into the tapestry illustration of mm-hmm. we can. So we there's that reality, and then so we as megalomaniacs can, can be like, I want full control of this tapestry. Mm-hmm. How dare you not let me see? Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's this other thing of like you said, this just joy in God saying, pull this thread through. Trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pull this other thread through. Trust me. Yeah. And and. We wish we could, yeah, mm-hmm. we wish we could perfectly see, but one day it's going to mm-hmm. be a good day. Yeah. We'll see. So We will see it all. So, mm-hmm. again, I don't want to not quote Romans 8, mm-hmm. 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to mm-hmm. us. So, yeah, I mean, Paul, Romans 8 is so rich, and a lot of these ideas Paul weaves together really beautifully in, in that chapter um, that God is working all things for good, Romans 8, 28. Mm-hmm. And and how he's doing that, he's conforming us to the image of his son. So there, it's this really brilliant move. You know, as a pastor, there's always this like hesitation of, do I want to open that can of worms? There's, you know, mm. predestination shows mm. up in that verse. Mm. But there's this beautiful thing of where he talks about predestination in Romans 8, 29. He's saying his predestined plan is to shape us <laughs> mm-hmm. to look like Christ through suffering and through the difficulty that we're going through, through the, the tapestry illustration, mm. through the boring, mundane pulling of threads in our daily life, mm. God is shaping us to be like Christ and to join in the work that he ultimately has already won the victory for us, mm-hmm. but we get to be a part of what he's doing in the world, mm-hmm. which is really mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing that we get to join in what he's doing mm-hmm. as the Savior. And and so much of the battlefield, really, as you said, lies in: Is God actually good? Is there this foundational? Is he a good artist or a bad artist? Mm-hmm. And and following those clues and mm-hmm. paying attention and mm-hmm. believing His word, yeah, that t- that takes the Holy Spirit, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. leading us along. Mm. Faith, yes, so good. Great. So, God purposes and power are forgiveness. Any other thoughts on on that one? Any random nerd things you wanted to share? Random nerd things. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite yeah. stuff. I had one line that I really regretted, but mm. it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll let them go try to figure go, it out. Go find it. Find <laughs> the sentence that I said that really I'm ashamed of. Oh, it will be woven into the tapestry, yes. Dave. God will pull that thread. Mm, all right. So, point three: God's purposes secure our future. What was that? What was that all about, Dave? That was just kind of the denouement, the ending. Whoa! What does that mean? Oh, you're, sorry. you're too fancy for Pardon me. Pardon my French. <laughs> 
I believe it's French for the tying up of a bow or something. Ooh. I don't know. It's a literary term that means like tying up the loose ends of the story. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's another tapestry word. Tapestry. Uh, you missed your title on this one, Dang. Dave. God's um, tapestry. So, <laughs> so anyway, this is a tying up of loose ends. So Joseph dies. He says, hey, I want you to um, hold on to my bones and bury them in the promised land. And I thought that was an interesting little illustration of, you know, just within a couple of chapters, Jacob says, because I believe in God's promises being fulfilled, I want you to bury me right now mm-hmm. in the promised land mm-hmm. and then go back and live in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And Joseph said, because I believe in the promises of God, I want you to carry my bones around for 400 years and then bury me in the promised land, which I believe you will do in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just thought it was a really interesting theme and variation in in our church, we talk a lot about the importance of distinguishing between God's law and house law or between you know God's priorities and our own little cultural quirks, how we do things. It's an important distinction every missionary needs to make. So I thought that was just a good illustration of that. They mm. both are believing in God's promises being fulfilled, and then they're executing in slightly different ways. Well played, Joseph. Good job, Joseph. Well, he also got to be embalmed, so That's he was going to be better looking in the process. Well, Jacob land. got embalmed also. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yeah, okay, man, there's a, <laughs> you want to nerd out. There's all kinds of commentary on that as well. That, um, huh. Oh, man. Uh, what was it that it was physicians, not embalmers? You know, oh. so he got the technical embalming privileges, but without all the religious weirdness of what they believed in each. I don't know. There's all kinds ah, of commentary on that. Because only pharaohs would be embalmed? Is that? Well, it's uh, just a very religious to... oh. ritual. So, you know, it's, it scandalizes some Christians to think that hmm. that Jacob and Joseph, you know, like had voodoo performed on them or whatever, ah. you know, like that they had this weird religious rituals performed on them. And so, hmm. but there is this funny note in the embalming of Jacob that says, the physicians did it, not the embalmers. Oh, so some people see that as a clue of like, well, they had the technology and they used that without all the religious rituals. Huh. Anyway, sorry, that was a worthless rabbit trail. Mm, <laughs> these are know. the things you find out when you read these long commentaries on these books of the mm, Bible. No, I think they're random nuggets. That's mm-hmm. what this podcast is for. There we go. Good. Random nuggets. <laughs> that could be a title there. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Let's see. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know spend a lot much. of time on that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking at your notes. I am. There's not a lot there. Yeah. No, I, and I, I tried to make the point of how are you going to live your life now, if, if your future is secure, and and mm-hmm. just talked about you know how do we spend our money, how do we spend our relational time, if this world isn't everything, you know, if God's renewing creation, if heaven's going to come down, if everything's, if all of our uh, hope is in the future and how do we invest in eternity and not invest too much in the here and now Mm -hmm. maybe that's that's a thing i i felt i wanted to i wanted to allow you to dig into Mm -hmm. (laughs) so whenever we talk about money Mm -hmm. i know you do you do such a great job of not kind of there's the slimy thing we're all so hypersensitive to oh here he goes he's gonna tell me here to give comes. him our my money yes. and uh but i do want to i want to kind of okay listener so shut off that little trigger for a second <laughs> i want to talk about i feel like we do i do have a week a week 
theology of giving often or a weak practice of giving maybe at least mm. maybe i know what's right and <laughs> mm-hmm. i just and it just came up in a, a facebook group randomly this morning actually they were talking about well do i give um you know the percent thing is always a question but do i give it on my net or my gross do i give it mm. on on what like what was the money revenue versus profit and like just this whole mm-hmm. thing and it's just like i know we have to stick to kind of more broad principles but can you just i don't know just talk a little bit about giving i feel like it's become such a abused thing in in mainstream church culture that that we don't actually talk about it enough now mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because you have yeah. you have to stay away from it so so go you have permission to say what you yeah. actually think or wanted to say if you could disclaim it all you know yeah so i what i try to do is i try to like take away the 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 tenth exactness and then give it back. So we are not under the old covenant. We are under the new covenant. So the new covenant principle is give generously because Christ gave to you. So that's super vague, right? Give because God gave to you. Now, if you, if you want some kind of target to aim at, I think the tenth or the tithe is how it's usually described is a great dashboard, you know, gauge for, you know, for your check engine light on your giving. Like, do you give a tenth? If not, why not? you know, gross net. I'm not even going to go into all that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I, I just, because it's a thing, I right? would argue like, <laughs> it's not a rule that you're keeping to, yeah. for God to be pleased with you. Right. He's pleased with you because of what Christ has done. So now that you know, he's pleased with you because of what Christ has done, uh, you're going to want to give to see that good news spread. Mm-hmm. So that's just question. Number one, are, mm-hmm. are you invested in giving to spread that good news? Paul makes it real practical and says, if you have teachers, you should pay them. I mean, it's that simple in Galatians. He talks about that, and it's either First or Second Corinthians. Um, that it's like an ox. Your your pastors and your teachers are like an ox treading out grain for you. And you should, in the Old Testament law, they said you should not muzzle the ox while he's treading the grain. Let him eat while he's working. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a general principle. So we don't apologize for that here. We we pay our pastors, um, and we're th- as a pastor, I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think we need to be careful with the exact numbers and, and being legalistic about it. I think it's just a good, it's a good dashboard number to shoot for, one-tenth. Do I give a tenth? If not, why not? Mm-hmm. Does that seem crazy? Why does it seem crazy? Mm-hmm. When in other cultures and other times, it wasn't crazy. You know, why would it be crazy now? But again, would stress we're not like under the law and have to give a tenth. And I think that's where a lot of pastors mm-hmm. screw that up. They say... Mm-hmm. Well, yes, you are, <laughs> because Abraham did, and Abraham <laughs> yeah. was. Be- so here's the big yeah. argument I've heard again and again. Huh. It's a like supra covenantal, you know, goes before and beyond the Mosaic law covenant, which we call the old covenant, because Abraham did it in this random story. You're like, well, I mean, I think that establishes it as a general cultural principle, but that's not a law we are commanded to keep. We are to keep the law of generosity and love. Hmm. Um, so anyway, that's that sparked a lot of thoughts for me um, as you were talking. Like, so maybe maybe a baseline thing is I, I believe in modern day we we give to causes and mm-hmm. organizations we believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, we also give to <laughs> organizations that make us feel good when mm-hmm. we've given to them. Mm-hmm. So I think. I think that really, I, maybe for me, that was digging down into the motivational side of mm-hmm. the motive. What are my motivations? Um, 
do I really believe one that the church is God's mechanism to reach the world mm-hmm. that this local church is doing a good job mm-hmm. if I don't think it's doing a good job maybe I need to be part of the change mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to help it do a good job yeah um, or have those conversations or you know um, but also I think to, to be aware now now on the marketing side of things we're so manipulated that every Every company we buy a, a widget from mm-hmm. is <laughs> is part of a social movement, mm-hmm. and and is trying to portray themselves as uh, if you wear these shoes, mm-hmm. you you will feel like this picture, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to actually be careful of our heart's yeah. tendency towards that of of saying, I'm only going to give to the church if I feel like it's this perfect tribe of mm-hmm. wonderfulness that's going to make me feel good about myself and and instead say there is a just a faithfulness aspect to this possibly i don't know anything to add to that man uh i guess i'm coming from the other side of it i totally Mm. agree i mean i think that is i think you're hitting on a a generational issue of younger generation needs to grow up and give because it's right not because they feel like it. Hmm. So I totally agree with that. Or but, not wait till they feel like it to or give. Or wait till yeah, they feel yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that's true of all disciplines in our life. We don't we don't just wait until we feel like it. We say, God says this is good, so I'm going to believe this is good. Hmm. Um, but I do, on the communication side, hmm. I'm convicted that we're so scared of, like you were saying earlier, triggering hmm. people and, oh, here they come <laughs> asking for money, that we don't make the case. So that's the thing I've been convicted of that I'm trying to get better at is saying, Oh, we're we are spreading the gospel. We're doing good work here. That if if you also believe Jesus is good, you should support this work. You know, I think I need to get better at mm. at saying that and communicating that more. So yeah, um, unapologetically, you know, this is this is work worth supporting. There's a book uh, I've just kind of skimmed that a lot of our missionaries and church planners have used called "The God Ask" by Steve Shadrach. So that's something I can mm. recommend to people. God. Who are involved in ministry, or even those who are wrestling with giving and want to see the other side of it, it trains missionaries and ministers to say, you know, God has called us to do this thing. I'd love for you to join my team and help and contribute to it. Mm. That's awesome. And and it also, what's what's great about being here at Grace Bible Church is we have this transience, mm-hmm. and we have these people coming and going, coming and going, mm-hmm. and this rhythm, these rhythms, short rhythms, and so, so what's great is even as we're talking about this subject, we know in the back of our head what we're actually longing for. I know this is true of you, Dave, mm-hmm. is for people to understand the principle period and not mm-hmm. it, it, it almost can't just be a mm. we want you to give to Grace Bible Church, right? Because we know you're going to move on. And so, yeah. what I I love that though, and in a sense, it's it's mm-hmm. what we're more worried about is your theology of generosity and giving to, yeah. to the local church than just specifically our church even, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, and that goes yeah. back to our training leaders. You know, we joke a lot of times about, you know, often we train up people that end up going and leading in other places, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It goes back to the fruitfulness thing again. Again, like, we want to see the fruit here, but mm-hmm. a lot of what God's given us to do is train people and send them out because of where our church is, dear listener, people <laughs> rotate through quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's the same thing with giving. Mm-hmm. Man, if someone became an awesome giver, mm-hmm. thanks to the preaching of the gospel here, but we didn't see that much of it, and they ended up giving in their next church more, that'd mm-hmm. be cool, that'd be awesome. You know? mm-hmm. 
That's good. Mm-hmm. So one one more topic I wanted to touch on, and we probably can wrap up, is um, so you talked about giving money and giving mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So we talk about sometimes we do the three time treasure talent, treasure time talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the time thing, I think that's a thing that I'm wrestling with too in the life of the church. What what does that look like per person? You know, like um, we we talk. I guess we mm. we're, we've been working yeah. hard to refine our yeah. our three things of gather. Yeah, we want serve, seventeen join. hours per person. <laughs> Perfect. And give from it your. It depends on revenue. body weight. Those that weigh <laughs> over 175 pounds have to give an additional three hours. <laughs> um, oh wait, no, that's plasma. That's the donation of plasma. Mm. Um, Mm. I used to give plasma in college for money. <laughs> well, didn't know that about you, Dave. Thanks yeah, for sharing. <laughs> Got tracks <laughs> on my arms, and so, it seemed unfair because men had to give more because we weighed more, but women's blood is thinner, so it was easier for them to give. I just always thought it was a rigged system. It made hmm, men probably, and I always felt like I was going to pass out. But anyway, so sorry. Let me, let me put I it this. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I think what I hear the conversation being and what I feel the conversation being often is mm-hmm. my life is so busy and then often the church is so has so many things. We got mm-hmm. Sunday mornings and yeah, we got yeah, small yeah. groups and we're supposed to be serving sure, our neighbors sure, sure. and we're supposed to be in a so, yeah, so we're trying to yeah, simplify it here yeah. and we've been beating a kind of brainwashing drum of we find purpose in what do we say? We find purpose together in Christ as we gather in worship. Step one, serve on a team. Step two, join a group. Step three, um, and just trying to simplify it because often churches are always advertising all the different activities, you know, five different ways you could join a group to grow in Christ or 10 different ways you could serve on a team or in a ministry. We've tried to boil it down to those those basic elements. Mm-hmm. So these, these are the essential elements um, to just to focus people better. I think that's been helpful for mm-hmm. for people. Um, one thing we've really tried to improve is for our for our uh, organization to work. We need people to serve on a team, and for many years we we kind of spoke about that in third place after joining a group, and we started to realize that that's easier for people to join a group and make friends and get to know others if they're actually bought in and serving on a team so we've we've moved that up in a sense and we talk about that first rather than joining a group um and i think that's i think that's a good thing we're still in the middle of that experiment so we'll see where that goes Hmm. i I was thinking about kind of the question of in general do people need to be simplifying their lives in order to give time to god you know Hmm. that that may Mm -hmm. seem out out of order but yeah. I love the illustration of the big rocks and the small rocks, you know, the mm-hmm. fitting into the jar. If you're going to fit mm-hmm. big rocks, medium rocks, and sand into a jar, yeah. if you put the sand in first, the small things first, it's going to get full and you can't fit anything else in. Yeah. And so maybe it's a little bit of a prioritization. I think so. Or, yeah. yeah. And I think what you describe is really helpful for strategic thinkers. It's less helpful for hmm. for like task-oriented and list-oriented hmm. people. I think for task hmm. and list people, it's easier to just count up hours and take a day off, you know, like mm, to, mm. to build in daily and weekly barriers and boundaries. But I think, yeah, focusing on the big things and working your way down is really helpful for strategic thinkers. And uh, either way you get to it, I think we need to simplify our life, do what matters, you know. We gotta go to work, we gotta love our family, 
Mm-hmm. We got to serve God's purposes in our community. And if we can line those things up in concentric circles, I think that's ideal. You know, if you can, if you can have a ministry that's based in the same place where you live, work, sleep and play, that's great. A lot of, you know, we live in kind of a spread out suburban town here where we, we pull people to our church from a 30 mile radius. And that's kind of, um, I think a little bit, just the part of the world we live in suburban Mm -hmm. sprawl. Mm -hmm. And so we don't beat ourselves up about that. I think Mm -hmm. it's become very hip to say that, um, that that's absurd and terrible and we must go to church minister and work in the same neighborhood, you know, and everything Mm -hmm. else is wrong. And I would say, well, it's, it is kind of inefficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way we live in our suburban sprawl is a little bit inefficient, and it is ideal to line your life up as much as possible, mm-hmm. um, so that it is coherent. And I think that is a, a kind of a modern problem that makes our lives more complicated. Our lives are incoherent. You know, we're we're kind of spread thin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say if if possible, line those things up in your life. I, I've been talking about it a lot with my youngest who is a freshman in college and oh she's a very strategic thinker so mm. you know she really wants it to be perfectly lined mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and i've <laughs> tried to encourage her you know kind of experiment yeah that's a good goal to have all your circles overlapping as much as you can but it, it's kind of hard to make that happen perfectly yeah. and so and, and that's great because yeah all of this is believing god has secured our future mm-hmm. that has and uh one last one last thing in that regard on ta- the time thing is to and you talked about inefficiency and efficiency and mm-hmm. I, it made me think of that phrase the tyranny of the urgent mm-hmm. so we can be drowned by now and not believe mm-hmm. in investing in the future that God has control of and I think mm-hmm. that you you mentioned children whether it's our own children or just someone younger than us a generation away or whatever like that is so concretely Mm. when you pour into that you are believing god's going to carry this work on this is important work even when i'm gone Mm -hmm. right like i just i I, that's a drum i want to keep beating for the church right like grab someone five years younger than you and Mm -hmm. love on them (laughs) help them you know yeah i think it's interesting because i'm seeing this i think some in the younger generation we've got a generation of people that are christians that want to impact the world and minister to others and not have kids which is really weird Mm. it's a confusing strange thing to me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it's like evil but i think it's missing that having kids if you can obviously some people can't but if you can that's like the most natural disciple making factory in the world Mm -hmm. um (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah it's just odd to me it's weird yeah. like yeah because paul talks about in first corinthians 7 we should bless singleness because you can minister to more people it's more efficient yeah and i i agree with that it's in the bible yeah but that's different like it's it's funny when we take that and apply it to ha- not having kids i'm like well you already mm. got married so you got you already you already mm. missed out on the efficiency of being <laughs> single right you guys are hanging out too much already <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? It's yeah. A, I don't know. I don't know how we got on this tangent. But no, anyway, that's good. No, because God says invest in yeah. your family and your kids. He yeah. also blesses singleness. That's a great way to have more time yes. to invest in more people. But I think if you're yes. married and you can have kids, we'll have kids because yeah. yeah, that's that's an investment in the future. Well, so any any people work, and I'm I'm specifically talking about 
younger people that are going to live longer than you that are the future, right? Like mm-hmm. whether that's your kids or, or anybody younger, it so clearly mm-hmm. feels inefficient mm-hmm. and disruptive of the now. Yes. And, and I feel that deeply sometimes, long right? Term. Like long term to yeah. tie back into the changing of diapers or the disciplining mm-hmm. of children, or even just like giving up your mm-hmm. quiet lunch to, to go be with someone else, you know, yeah. like, so I just I just think that's that's a really good thing to wrestle through. So I think mm. it ties into God and the future. So yeah, no, that's good. Awesome. Invest. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I, I don't want to. Wow, we we went pretty long. Uh, that probably means I talked too much. But thank you guys for you did yeah great, for being Chris. listening. Um, did you have any can't let it go stuff, Dave? Can't let it go. Uh, man, the weather's been nice. <laughs> Enjoying it the sunshine. Has been nice. I took a nap in the sunshine yesterday. It was awesome. Mm. I'm thankful for sunshine. Yes, that's so cool. So if you're listening in Alaska, I'm sorry, <laughs> but here in late November, almost Thanksgiving, the weather has been just gorgeous. You know, mm. seventy deg- seventy degree afternoons, sunny. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Mm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I had a random, we're working on um, Christmas creative projects. So we're doing a challenge to, to make a piece of art every week for Advent. Mm. Um, I decided I'm going to do a sermon. Yes. <laughs> you should. I think you should uh, hand write out your sermon notes Ooh. and paint on them. Good no. Um, what do you think about me reading my random poem? Is read your random weird? poem. I'm going to read it. my random poem, guys. Guys, I usually How hide all. How long is it? Because I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like it's this long. You can. It's pretty, oh, okay, go ahead. It's it's not long. <laughs> that that put it in a great. I'm gonna read this because I usually hide all my stuff. So maybe this will spark some of you Christmas creators mm. to make something. So I wanted to. Uh, I was kind of toying with the ideas of the Santa myth, mm-hmm. but how it actually resonates more deeply to our longing for for a spiritual reality and a and a the breaking in of of transcendent things into our lives and so mm-hmm. um so yeah this isn't this is not technically about santa guys but i wanted it to sound kind of like it was mm. so <laughs> this is called i called it hope an advent verse and dave can groan at the end if he hates it we'll see okay. <laughs> so i said um we are all of us children awake in the dark hours of christmas morning we listen Ears straining for the sound of something over her overhead, of someone stepping firmly down from bright happy myth into the gray shingled weight of reality, of day after day, of year after year. We wonder, does this truth exist beyond our own heart and head? If disbelieved, will it come untrue? Yet to be believed, it must be something sure, even when we are not. We hide beneath our covers and wait in fragile wakefulness, drifting between dream and truth, huddled inside this dream of truth, afraid to look beyond the linen veil, lest our hearts burst from disappointment or vast relief. Our hope awaits the morning, the gifts already given, the final coming of the light. So rest, little ones. The voice, t- the voice still speaks. 
that spoke marrow into your bones, that whispered stars and moon into the night above your head, who stirs your heart to hope, bright and warm and rising from the cup. These are not myths held together by rib ribbons and paper, not stories from the minds of men, for our minds began as the bright dream of this storyteller. Listen and wonder, but cease to hide, for he is here with you in this night, who always has and always will be sure to bring the morning. Nice. That's cool. No groans. All I right. like it. There you go, people. Random poem for the day. I don't remember what Joey says at the end. Joey's going to get mad at me. Does this he say the same thing? the thing with microphones. Recapage. Where we talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. Tune in for more stuff. Thanks for spending your time with us. Thank you. Give yourself a hug because we can't. <laughs> See you next week. Adios. Okay, I got the whole intro. Let's see. Here we go. Rolling. Oh, whoa. Take Did I one. just laugh loud? Hey, hey. You hey, always hey. laugh loud, Chris. Shut up. <laughs> I was seeing if I... Check, check, check. I don't understand. You guys are just... Everyone's so quiet, check, people. Check, check, check. Is, is mine turned on? Check, so check, check. Oh, you're the one peeking out. Aha. Because I'm quieter. You're way closer than you ever talk, actually talk during the podcast. <laughs> but if you're really going to do it, do it. You're supposed to hold it here, Chris. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Uh, all right. Yeah. And I think you talk quieter in on podcasts than you do in real life. Yes. Focusing brain, my brain. Your brain. Power. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, my brain mm -hmm. makes my body dysfunctional. All right. Ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Don't make me laugh in the middle of the Joey parts. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Dang it. You're like a middle school girl sleepover. Okay. All right. I forgot what. Oh, man, something about something good. podcast yeah, and Grace no, Bible Church. I, yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Okay. 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 Okay.